Hello and welcome to today's COP24 Covered mini podcast from Edie, the series in which we bring you all the news, views and key takeaways you need to hear from the largest climate summit in the world. My name is Sarah George, I'm Edie's reporter and today, that's December 10th, I'll be rounding up the key takeaways from day 5, that was Friday, and day 6, today. Coming up on today's segment, we have our usual good cop and bad cop game, and we'll also be rounding up all the key reactions to the major developments at the conference so far. But we're also lucky enough to be joined by Mars's senior climate and land manager, Ashley Allen, who is in Katowice today representing the company. Those of you who've been following the podcast will know that more than 30,000 people have now made their way to Poland for this event, which began last Monday and will come to uh, close this Friday. Day one saw a lot of scene setting with some grim reminders of the full extent of climate change impacts if insufficient action is taken now, while subsequent days have played host to a series of sessions on topics ranging from everything from green finance and human rights and supply chains to climate resilience and low carbon products. There's also been a focus on the precise roles in which businesses, local authorities and national governments can play in tackling climate change and how collaboration between these bodies is essential. In the last episode, Matt covered some of the key takeaways from days three and four, including the launch of a new carbon reporting accountability framework. Since then, a series of sessions about the circular economy has been held and how these principles could help reduce global emissions. Last Friday, these programmes were ascended by businesses including Sinify and Metabolic, leading nicely up to the focus of today's agenda, which is fashion and sustainable business. Today, the UN and Stella McCartney have jointly unveiled the first global roadmap for sustainable fashion, outlining best practice measures that businesses can take in regards to waste, pollution, deforestation, toxicity in manufacture and carbon-heavy supply chains, all aspects which are making fashion one of the most environmentally damaging sectors globally. Without a reform now, experts have predicted that the sector is expected to account for a quarter of global emissions by 2050, so this roadmap is no small move for no small sector. IKEA has also made public some of the insights it shared at the conference in earlier days, sharing a video and online file in a bid to help other big retailers adopt ambitious climate change strategies. We're moving on now to what I think is the whole editorial team's favourite part of the podcast, Good Cop and Bad Cop, a game in which we outline a welcome announcement from the summit, the good cop, and one that the green economy hasn't taken as well to, the bad cop. If you've listened to previous episodes, you'll know that after this we usually roll up the reaction, but I'm going to roll that in to the good cop, bad cop today so that we can squeeze in our exclusive interview with Mars. As someone who's been interested in sustainable fashion for several years now, the roadmap announcement would have to be my good cop, um, especially considering how it's already been uptaken by so many of these traditional high street or fast fashion brands. While brands like Stella McCartney have been leading the way in this agenda for a long time, the Charter makes this kind of information accessible to every kind of brand and therefore should, in time, work to make sustainable fashion accessible to all shoppers and not just those consumers who can afford luxury goods. As for the bad cop, I'm sure many ED listeners and readers will have read the news this morning that attempts to embed the IPCC's recent findings into the conference's key discussions have failed, largely due to the fact that the US, Saudi Arabia, Russia and Kuwait have objected to meeting and welcoming the report. Instead, they said they would take note of the report, which lays bare the difference between a 2C and 1.5C trajectory, both of which were outlined in the Paris Agreement of 2015. 
Considering that one of the key aims of this summit is to define a rulebook for Paris, detailing the funding and policies that each signatory nation will need to implement, this is a major setback. Reaction to this news has understandably been a mix of outrage and disbelief from the UK's green economy, particularly considering that the Earth is currently on track to reach a 3C warming trajectory by 2040. Climate think tank E3G has dubbed the move an example of policymakers, quote, playing political football with climate change, while the World Resources Institute has expressed fears that policymakers have, quote, missed a moment of history in upping climate ambition. WWF and Greenpeace have also slammed the decision, with the latter having projected a message reading, no hope without climate action, onto the COP summit venue in protest. However, momentum within the rulebook agreement discussions has reportedly kept up to the, up pace. Those who have been taking part in the discussions, such as Least Developed Countries Chair Jibru Jemba Endalu, have told the media that momentum is at a high, so fingers crossed for a strong result, especially given that a weak result could mean a review of this agreement paper within just 10 years. On a more positive note, for our last segment, we'll be crossing live to Katowice for an exclusive chat with Mars's senior climate and land manager, Ashley Allen. How are you, Ashley? Doing well, thank you. Great. And um, is it your first time attending COP? No. As a matter of fact, I was looking for a special pin because this is my 10th COP. Oh, well, happy, um, happy, for co- the, you- <laughs> happy COP-iversary. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Yes, I, I've been uh, at the COP in many different roles over the years, so this is just my second COP with Mars. And what is the business atmosphere like there on the ground? I know there's been quite a lot of anger among the world leader, um, the world leaders this morning about the news that four countries aren't taking into account the IPCC report. Um, but what's it like among the business community who are being represented there? Well, you know, I'll say two things on that. First, mm. I think. No one ever comes to a COP, uh, whether your government or business, expecting that it will be sort of an easy, happy, kumbaya-type atmosphere, because we know that this climate change is an exceptionally challenging and critical issue. And I think that the 1.5-degree report from the IPCC just added an additional layer of urgency to that and really made people feel like, we must get done as much as possible now. So there is that sense of we've got to hurry up and get to the work. Among the companies, though, we've been able to sort of be within this challenging, urgency-filled atmosphere and bring to it a sense of hope and a sense of confidence that we are taking action on climate change. U.S. companies, U.S. states, multinational companies, people all over the world, really are taking action uh, on this issue. No, that's promising to hear. And then what role is Mars going to be playing on the ground in driving that agenda? What do you have lined up or what have you guys already been up to? Yes, we've been hard at work over the last four days. Uh, We arrived uh, for the launch of the U.S. Climate Action Center. It's uh, a center that's been pulled together by uh, many of the NGOs and other groups like uh, World Wildlife Fund and Ceres and a few others that help lead the We Are Still In initiative. Mm. And that's an effort by hundreds of businesses and local governments in the U.S. to say, we are still in on the Paris Agreement. We are moving forward for the goals of the Paris Agreement, and we are coming together to, to have you know a collective effort. 
And so that event kicked off on Friday in a really engaging series of panels that just gave some examples of what's being done. So for Mars, we talked about our sustainable in a generation plan, our $1 billion investment in working throughout our value chain, including with farming communities in key supply chains such as cocoa and rice, to achieve the emission reductions, the carbon emission reductions that are needed in order to help move the world toward keeping climate change under two degrees. Uh, one more thing I'll mention, because I just found this so fascinating. I spoke alongside a bishop. Uh, I, I think he was an Episcopalian bishop uh, from California in the U.S., and he is leading a coalition of bishops and, and church members who are tracking their individual carbon footprints. So action is happening all the way from a you know, multinational company level and at, at really at a local individual household level in the U.S. I just found that really inspiring. Mm. No, I can imagine that that's part of the value for a company of Mars's size and scale attending these events, getting those connections that you might not get during business as usual. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, there's kind of two pieces of it. So one is this general knowledge sharing and just awareness raising about what's being done. And it's really useful for us to hear what other companies, what other countries, what other states in the U.S. are doing. And so we gain a lot, uh, both sort of, you know, motivation from that, but also identifying opportunities where we can work together. And then the second objective that we have as, as Mars while we are here, there's a real brain trust of expertise on climate change here at the COP. And we can meet up with some of the world experts on land use change, deforestation, free certification, carbon accounting, and we can pull them together. So this is what we did this morning to really unpack what are the main challenges and barriers moving forward on some of these issues and how can we as a company both benefit from their guidance but help to share our experience so that the guidance that they develop is actually useful for companies as well. Mm, So it sounds like a great conversation going on there. Will you be staying until the end on Friday? I will be departing today after an important event on uh, on a topic that doesn't get nearly enough attention, and that is resilience. We talk all about carbon reduction and mitigation, which is obviously critical, but what we need to keep in mind is that the climate is changing, and even if we're super successful in our carbon reduction goals, we need to build resilience of communities throughout the world that are facing the effects of storms and droughts and things like that. And so our Vice President of Sustainability, Kevin Rabinovich, is speaking on a high-level panel uh, with leaders around the world uh, about climate resilience and how we can move forward uh, on that together. That's today. And then I'm really excited, although I'll miss it, tomorrow is the Talanoa Dialogue, and that's the main forum to bring uh, together outside voices that aren't members of a national government that's negotiating here. Talanoa Dialogue is coming together in the spirit of storytelling and, and sharing ambition and, and insight into each other's work. And Mars was selected as a participant in that dialogue, one of only a, uh, only a few businesses that are brought into that dialogue with the heads of delegation of countries around the world, you know, the ministers that are leading their country's negotiating teams to, in the spirit of storytelling, each tell our story for why we are doing this work on climate change. And, and that happens tomorrow. And I think that's a really significant way for non-government leaders to, to get their story uh, into this this place.
Oh, sounds fantastic. Well, best of luck for both of those. I should probably head off, seeing as this is a brief podcast, and I'm sure that you've got plenty of other stuff to crack on with. But thank you so much for taking the time to join me on our podcast today. Yes, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, there you have it. And I think Ashley has nicely rounded up what is to come on tomorrow's menu as well. We will be bringing you our next of these podcasts on Wednesday, so stay tuned. For now, it's goodbye for me, and take care. Goodbye.